Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. How's it going? And welcome to episode 121 of On The Wire, a proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. You can follow me at Jake Crumpler, and you can follow my co-host Rick Graham at I Am Rick Graham. Uh, it may sound a little different. I'm actually not Adam Howe today. We're taking over for Adam. This is a podcast takeover. You got the In The Pen Boys covering mm-hmm. for Adam because of a scheduling conflict. So we've got you covered this week with all of your fab and waiver wire moves and all of the things you need to know about closers etc for this week um but here we are rick how you doing yeah i'm doing great you know it's the fourth of july weekend mm-hmm. always you know that always kind of you know coexists coexists with like baseball and just you know mm-hmm. so it's it's yeah it's uh pretty relaxing weekend for me just get to you know not, not nothing crazy planned just get to watch a, a lot of baseball hopefully nice it definitely feels like the fourth of july weekend because it's like mm. 90 degrees in my room right now <laughs> i've got my shirt off i'm sweating but you know we're gonna power through because baseball talking about baseball can cure anything for sure for sure all right. Well, we can just jump right into it. As always, Adam likes to start these with the news and notes, and we're going to follow the same path to through the podcast here as well. Um, we're just going to go through the notable promotions and IL placements and options and reactivations and discuss how they affect FAB heading into this weekend, heading into Sunday, and how they affect playing time going forward. We'll start off with the big one. This guy is likely to garner the most fab thrown his way and that's Jordan Westberg who was promoted by the Baltimore Orioles he is one of the team's top prospects I think he's number three on MLB pipeline he's definitely top five and he's been killing it in the minor leagues and recently he's been playing basically every day since he got called up it's been about four or five days since he got recalled and he seems to be like he's going to be one of the biggest uh, contributors in that infield in Baltimore how are you feeling about Jordan Westberg and what kind of fab money do you think you're going to be throwing at him? Yeah. I mean, so far I like a lot of what I've seen and you know, he, he was kind of a prospect that didn't originally stick out. He's not a top, he was, you know, a borderline top 100 prospect in a lot of, a lot of places, but the power has really grown over the past two seasons, you know, 18 home runs this year and just 67 games at triple a had 18 home runs and 91 games at triple a last season. Um, and that was, yeah. So, it, you know, you're going to get some power with him. And the other thing that I love is the, he does have a pretty good eye. He's, he's, he's walk, you know, he's got a decent walk rate. Doesn't strike out a ton. I, I think he's going to fit right in. It's a good lineup. He's entering, he's, he's joining. Um, and it looks like he's going to have full time, you know, full, pretty much full reign at third base for them for the time being. He might move mm-hmm. around a little bit, but 
they like the, they're they're fine with Gunnar Henderson at shortstop, and they should be. He, he can play there. He can stick there. So it hurts Jorge Mateo's stock for sure, but uh, definitely point the arrows definitely pointing up for Westberg. I, it's probably the best infielder you're gonna have a chance to get this this Sunday for for waiver purposes. Oh, definitely by far. He is yeah. the number thirty two prospect according to according to MLB Pipeline, and that while well, that takes into account fielding, so you can probably push him up a little further, especially considering mm-hmm. you know the other guys that are going to be called up. Uh, the rest of the season. It looks like it's going to push Jorge Mateo and Ramon Urias out of playing time. Urias was already in more of a uh, utility role. So I expect him to see even less playing time there. And Mateo was seeing a lot of time at shortstop. And so with Henderson moving from the hot corner to the six hole and Westberg taking over at third and second, I think we're going to see less playing time from those two. You think either of those guys are still rosterable? I don't think Urias was rostered in too many leagues, but Mateo with his big speed and his hot yeah. start of the season, I I don't know. For me, it feels like a drop. I I think it depends on the league size, and I I think if you're in a deep 15 teamer, or 16 teamer, um, I I think I might just, you know, it depends on what's on the wire. But uh, you know, the speed it speeds just hard to find. So you have a guy like that; he's kind of a unicorn when it comes to steals. There's not a lot of uh, you know guys of his mold still around. So. Um, it, it depends on what you're dropping, but he, you know, he already has 21 steals, and you know that's I, just an injury away from him getting playing time again. So, um, yeah, I, I think it just yeah it depends on what you're if you're dropping him for Westbrook, sure, but you know if you do have a deep bench to kind of hold on and see what happens, I, I don't hate hanging on to the, those steals. Yeah, so six homers and 21 steals right now for Mateo. But since the start of May, he's got zero home runs and just two steals. He's batting 155, striking out 27% of the time. It seems like he's gotten the bat completely knocked out of his hands and he hasn't been able to make up for it on the bases either. So, I mean, I, I think he was a drop even before that. But considering that this is a really streaky player because of the swing and miss, like you Mm -hmm. said, just an injury away from rejoining that lineup. Definitely interesting. I think maybe 15 teams and deeper are the only ones where I'm considering 12 teamers. I think he's uh, sent him straight to the wire. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Cool. All right. We can move over to Los Angeles a team that has been super active on the trade market. I'm sure Adam covered the Eduardo Escobar trade last week, but the team also acquired Mike Moustakis from the Rockies. In corresponding moves, Jared Walsh was optioned to the minors, but the team also recalled David Fletcher and activated Anthony Rendon from the 10-day IL. He had missed uh, just over the minimum there, but it seems like a little bit of a reshuffling in Anaheim right now, in mostly in the infield, but there seems to be a lot of sort of changing there with Moustakis seeing a lot of time at first base uh, prior to Rendon's return and Brandon Drury sort of moving around from second to first base and around and Mickey Moniak seeing more time there and Hunter Renfro even seeing additional time at first base. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) So it's like there's there's tons of changes there and it's hard to sort of suss out who's going to be the biggest gainer in terms of fantasy value. I mean, we can start off with just Escobar and Moustakis. Are those guys that you're going to be eyeing because they were more sort of uh, borderline fantasy viable guys in their old stomping grounds? Um, Not at the moment. I, I don't think I wasn't exactly interested in either of them uh, before this or entering the year even when it looked like Escobar was going to be the starting, you know, third baseman for the Mets to start the year. It didn't really, 
and even Moustakis going to Colorado, uh, not a ton of um, upside there with these two guys. Um, I think they're probably going to be – I don't see either one becoming – I mean, the thing is Anthony Anthony Rendon cannot stay healthy, so I'm sure there's going to be a point where Escobar does get full-time mm-hmm. at-bats, but for now I, I think I'm leaving them on the wire. Yeah, so I, I, I sort of agree. I think Moustakis has been a little bit unlucky, but it, it's really hard to buy into him having success. It's been a while since we've seen yeah. anything from him. And Eduardo, Eduardo Escobar is sort of in a utility role there with Rendon back in the mix. But do the other guys, David Fletcher, does he move your needle, needle at all? I think he's pretty solid in points leagues, but it's pretty empty batting average. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, he's got a little value in points league, doesn't strike out a ton, but there's really nothing else. There's no power, there's not a ton, of, there's not really any stolen base threat there. Mm-hmm. So um, I would just be wait, honestly, I'm a little bit intrigued when uh, Zach Neto comes back. I think yeah. he should be back somewhat soon. So, yeah, if I'm looking for a middle infielder there, I'd, I'd wait for, for him to return. Yeah. I think the biggest impact we see is on Mickey Moniak, who has been sort of the team's fourth outfielder because they have Renfro and Ward and Trout out there with Otani getting every day at bats at DH. So Moniak was sort of trying to get his way into the lineup as often as possible. And with Renfro moving to first, Mm. that sort of opens a lot of playing time for Moniak in the outfield, at least versus right-handed hitters. And he's been pretty legendary since being recalled. Don't forget, he is a former number one overall pick, and he's been leading off when he does play and that's ahead of Mike Trout, Otani, Rendon, Drury. That's a pretty great lineup behind him. So the runs could be off the charts. He's already got eight homers, a pair of steals, and he's batting 318 with a 174 WRC plus, but the plate discipline is pretty awful. Uh, 0.09 walk to strikeout rate. Um, is this guy, if he hasn't already been picked up in your league, is this somebody that you'll be dropping like, I, I don't know, like 5% of fab on? Um, uh, 5% maybe. Yeah, it's, there's definitely a little bit of intrigue there, especially, you know, he kind of came up, lit the world on fire and then he mm-hmm. quieted, got a little quiet for a while, but he's been, uh, let's see this week. I mean, he's been hitting lead off four, four times in the past week. So, um, yeah, in deeper leagues are definitely AL only. He's, he's a great, uh, you know, target right now, but, um, there's a little intrigue, but yeah, you're right. The strikeout right? I mean, there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some slumps. There's going to be some bad mm-hmm. regression here, but uh, there's there's a little bit of you know a little bit of power mixed with a little bit of speed, so it's kind of interesting. It's kind of intriguing, but five percent is probably the most I would go. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He he's much different than when he was first being called up with the Phillies. I mean, he really was not great with the bat, and while like you said, he's striking out thirty one percent of the time, walking less than three percent of the time, and he's got a four hundred BABIP. He does have a 16% barrel rate, which is very, very good, Mm -hmm. which sort of helps you buy into that power. So while he's probably more of like a 260, 250 natural hitter based on how much he strikes out, the power I think is legit. And I think that's something that you can buy into with just a, a, a smidge of speed there. So definitely super interesting. And I think what puts me over there at the edge is like a guy I'll be targeting in a lot of 15 teamers is the fact that he's leading off for this really great lineup. And so the runs are going to be off the charts. Yeah. I mean, hitting in front of Trout and Otani is always a, uh, always mm-hmm. a plus. So yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy if, if you're, if the angels are playing four, you know, five right, right-handed facing five right-handed starters in a week, 
you probably want him in your lineup. And again, it's like, you know, the numbers right now look good, but the the walk rates, the walk and strikeout rates are definitely a little concerning, but um, there there is some some in, intrigue here with the, the you know, the, the new kind of power he's been able to tap into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, from one LA team to another, we'll go to the Dodgers as they place Chris Taylor on the IL with right knee soreness and activated Max Muncie from the IL after dealing with a strained left hamstring. Michael Bush was optioned in a corresponding move. And while both of those guys were likely either not rostered in most of the leagues in Chris Taylor's case and rostered in much of most teams with Max Muncie, probably on everybody's IL, I think this sort of does change how the rest of that team uh, fares there. Chris Taylor going on the IL sort of opened up more playing time in the corner outfield at third base at second base. Um, but then Max Muncy sort of come comes back and takes all that third base playing mm-hmm. time away Though he has sort of been platooning since he's been coming back. So there, there's lots of intrigue sort of around Miguel Vargas who had a lot of hype prior to the season and some other guys who have been coming up and seeing some more playing time like Yanni Hernandez and Johnny DeLuca and Jason Hayward has even been in the lineup a lot more. Is there anybody on the Dodgers that has piqued your interest with these moves or is there anybody sort of dropping down your power rankings in terms of, you know, Max Muncy uh, platooning and that kind of stuff? Um, not really. I, I think this is just kind of what the do- This is just something we should expect from the Dodgers is kind of, you know, Muncy should not be in a platoon role. I know he's just coming off the IL and they're probably trying to be safe with him. And I, his defense has been pretty terrible at third base, but um, Muncy's a guy they should have in the lineup every day. Mm-hmm. It's been disappointing for Miguel Vargas this year. And at least he's still seeing some semi-regular at bats. Um, but with Mookie Betts now, with them being feeling, you know, free to, to play bets all around the infield as well as in right yeah, field, still it's shortstop it's, and second yeah, base. Yeah, just it kind of it kind of hurts Vargas and you know a guy like Chris Taylor's value before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Bush is one, uh, someone I've been really interested in, and I you know he didn't really get it going in both his you know stints so far mm-hmm. when Muncie was on the IL, but um, definitely a name to still keep an eye on for like August and September. Um, as is, I know, I don't think Chris Taylor's, you know, he's not going to help you with batting average at all, but there's still a little speed and a little pop there in deeper leagues if you're desperate for that sort of thing. So, um, but when he comes back, it's, it's, um, it's going to really, there's going to be four, there's going to be a lot of platooning going on and it's going to hurt, hurt. It's going to bring down a lot of value, um, for some of those outfielders as well as, you know, Muncie, it's probably going to hurt too. Yeah, I feel like David Peralta is the most likely one to see less playing time because Jason Hayward has actually been really interesting this year. Uh, Really, it might be uh, too strong of a word there, but (laughs) he's actually shown power that we haven't seen from him Mm -hmm. in forever. He's already up to eight home runs. Last time we saw him hit more than 10 was back in 2019. And if you can want to cross that year off the list because it was the juice ball year, you got to go back to 2017 when he hit just 11 home runs. He's already at eight right now. And he's showing a lot better power with uh, the highest barrel rate we've seen since StatCast was introduced and the highest hard hit rate we've seen from him since StatCast was introduced. And I think it's because they've got him pulling a lot of fly balls, which fly balls were hard for him to get. And he's gone from having a fly ball rate since 2010. I mean, he's got the highest fly ball rate of his career. And coming into this year, it was like 32% for his career. He's got it up to 45%, which is wild. And he's also pulling the ball 48% of the time, which 
much he didn't have much trouble with pulling the ball recently, but once you start getting it in the air, you can really outperform Statcast metrics. So that's why yeah. he's really outperforming his expected average and expected slug. So that's a guy that I think in definitely in NL only leagues, I think should be considered but even some 15 teamers where you got five outfielders and it's sort of getting a little rough then Hayward might be an option there especially with the extra playing time with Taylor on the IL yeah I would agree I I think you know Hayward is someone when we were kind of prepping for the show someone who was might he's starting to beyond that like i think he should be rostered and played and you know we talk about you know matchups as long as they the dodgers are seeing five right-handed starters in a week you know that's you're gonna get five starts from from hayward and he's been swinging the bat well so i i think that's a that's an interesting name to to keep an eye on yeah and uh we can stay in los angeles because daniel hudson was activated from the 60 day il it's been a while since we've seen him uh i think he got surgery before the season started uh left knee surgery is, is what it was yeah. yeah okay that's that's awful but mm. he's come back strong and and he's back on the dodgers and this is somebody that we've talked about on in the pen quite often as you know the guy that could usurp evan phillips when he does return is this somebody you're going to be dropping fab on in any leagues like even if it's just one or two percent as just one of those dart throws about a week or so ago i definitely was and then it looked and then evan phillips just kind of went on a you know a save streak all out of nowhere seemingly um so that kind of dampers my expectations a little bit but yeah hudson came back he looked pretty good in his first outing uh, and you know, it's not like we're talking about a guy coming back from Tommy John. He came back a knee injury is still, you know, pretty bad, especially for someone his age. But, um, I, I think there's still something left in the tank for him. Uh, the Velo is a little bit down in his first outing, but that's, you know, it's one outing. I think we can, you know, let's see where he's at next week. But I, I think I would throw some speculative dollars on him in deeper leagues where I'm, I need saves, but I'm not breaking the bank for him. Not, not now. Good call. All right. We can move to Atlanta where we've got some reshuffling of the rotation there. We've seen a lot of shuffling throughout the year. Guys going up, guys going down, prospects making their debuts and recovery projects sort of making their ways back. And that's sort of what we saw this week as AJ Smith Shaver and Jared Schuster were optioned to the minors while Michael Soroka and Colby Allard were recalled. Uh, Shaver was looking like he was rising super quickly through the minors, only 20 years old, but he had some pretty terrible peripherals in Atlanta while mm. Schuster has sort of been up yeah. and down throughout the year. Um, not great, but Soroka came back. He was very solid in his first outing back. I think he had seven strikeouts and in six innings and Allard is set to make his debut. I don't know if he started already. No, he, he, he debuted on, okay. I believe it was Wednesday and he looked, he actually looked really, really oh, wow. good. Eight um, strikeouts in four and two thirds. Yeah, it's, the curveball was working for him. Um, I still like Soroka over him if I'm taking a chance on either of these guys. But you know, talking about if you're if you're looking for wins on the wire, these are the two these two guys pitching for the best team in the NL. Um, definitely look, worth a shot if they can stick in that rotation. Which the, there's definitely spots up for grabs until you know we have. I mean, Max Free Free's not going to be back until after the All Star break, and I don't think. Um, Kyle Wright. Yeah, I don't think Kyle Wright's going to return until August, so uh, there, there's definitely rotation spots for these two guys, and I don't think it's going to cost you a ton, at least to get Allard. Um, Soroka might cost a little more, but I, I, I'd still be tempted to throw close to 10% on, on Soroka, because he, he did look really good the other day, and 
we've seen you know what he's done when healthy in, in the past and mm-hmm. he was really lighting up triple a before he came up it was a, it was well deserved i think they kind of rushed him a little bit earlier in the year yeah went back to triple a got things right and i think he might be ready to ready to rock for the rest of the rest of the year in that rotation i agree i think soroka is super enticing in honestly like the majority of leagues 12 teamers included but i think he's more of like a points league specialist he seems like he's like mm-hmm. a holly which is like the the upscale yeah. toby where he's not going to strike out a lot of guys. He's more of an innings eater, ground ball type, but he does have that prospect pedigree. We've seen him be really good in the past, and the fact that he came back and struck out seven guys in six innings Mm -hmm. shows that sometimes he does have the ability to add a couple more strikeouts there. So that's somebody that I'm really interested in adding in the majority of leagues. And then for Allard, like you said, that curveball was really good in his return. He went fastball, curveball, cutter there, and each pitch had a... CSW well over 30%. The four seamer and the curveball were well over 40%. So that's pretty interesting to see if that can uh, have a lot of sense or have a lot of success moving forward. Um, But yeah, that'll be definitely interesting to watch. He had like a strained oblique for the first couple of months and then I think had two starts in the minors and then was quickly back up in the majors. So if he can continue to show the strikeout potential that's a guy that's going to be a super sneaky ad if you uh, make that move now and then he actually has success going forward the braves are set to take on the guardians at the beginning of next week and that's who uh colby allard's going to see next not the scariest of matchups but you know i it could be there Yeah, I mean, I'm. I know myself. I will need to throw. I'm going to be throwing a lot of money on Allard just in my NL only. out wars team because my pitching staff is decimated at the moment so uh he's definitely someone in the you know 15 16 teamers or nl only leagues where you're going to want to pay attention to mm-hmm. all right we'll go to the mountains of colorado and we'll talk about cj crone and chris brant who both returned from the 10-day il for different reasons crone with back spasms brant with a bruised left heel both of them had actually been out for a while so this will be a huge influx of offense to that rockies lineup and it sort of doesn't change too much but it does change a little i think mostly for nolan jones who was seeing a lot of time in the corner outfields where bryant is going to slot in and then that sort of forces him into a DH role where Bryant is probably also going to see some time. And so will CJ Crone. And while Nolan Jones has been really good, the Rockies are known for playing games with their young players. Nolan Jones mm-hmm. still 25, but he's been one of their best hitters thus far batting 315 with a 137 WRC plus. Are you worried about Nolan Jones losing playing time there? And do you think that like will affect his value in fantasy? Oh, for sure. It's the Rockies. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like he might be in some sort of platoon with Randall Gritchick moving forward. Um, but then again, the, this team, this is, I think last year we all, we, I know we talked about, you know, there was some, some pieces that the Rockies could move at the deadline last year and then they did nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, will wow. they do that again? I well, that's like, are they going to do that again? Cause there are pieces. I mean, like you said, C, I mean, CJ Cron, the guy you mentioned on the last year of his deal, they could move Gritchick. I mean, they could open up some playing time for some young guys to, to, you know, see, see how they fare. But, um, for now, it looks like Jones is going to be in a platoon role and, mm-hmm. I don't, I guess it, it, yeah, if there's, again, it's like another, if they have home games that week and they're going up against right-handed pitchers, then he definitely is an ice play. But I think he, 
I think you might be able to drop him in some shallower leagues for for interesting pieces right now. Yeah, he's definitely like a, a guy you'll want to stream often if he's playing in cores versus a righty. But it, I definitely like 10 teamers, I think, is like the shallowest. I would do like an immediate drop. I think I'd still hold in 12 teamers, especially in like daily leagues where yeah. you can switch him out when he's not playing. But like weekly t- 12 teamers it gets a little iffy if you're if he's playing outside of cores like this upcoming week and sees a lot of lefties, which we're unsure about right now. But yeah, that's pretty unfortunate for a guy that was looking like he was finally getting his opportunity in the majors and taking advantage of it. But we can move on to a, another couple of activations, and that's Jazz Chisholm Jr. for the Marlins being activated from the 10-day IL after being out for a while, a month, with a sprained mm. right big toe, and Gene Segura coming back from a strained left hamstring. I mean, we can start off with Segura. I am not interested there. He was <laughs> like the worst qualified hitter in baseball by like 15% before hitting the IL. So he was already not doing well. Um, but Jazz Chisholm Jr. is definitely somebody you want to activate and insert right back to, into your lineup as as soon as possible. And I think the Marlins weren't really running with anybody super fantasy relevant in Gary Hampson. Hampson, John Birdie was probably seeing more time. Yeah. No, no one really that I doubt you were rostering um, Mm -hmm. that you're going to want to release now. But yeah, I mean, Segura definitely not someone I've had interest in in like three or four years at this point. Mm -hmm. So just because he's back, don't that doesn't really mean that he's fantasy worthy at the moment. Yeah. The thing is, since he's come back, he's played three <laughs> games and he's gone four for 13, yeah, which is a 308 average. Um, yeah. I mean, there's definitely going to be some regression there to the mean. So positive regression is he's got a 230 mm. BABIP and the expected average is like 43 points above his current 197 average. But it's pretty empty average. He doesn't steal like he once did. He used to steal mm-hmm. 40 bases back in 2013. Um I don't think he's going to be super fantasy relevant, but there is the possibility that he goes on like a mini hot streak, steals a couple of bases, bats like over 300 for a couple of weeks or something. And that can be useful in deep leagues. Uh, it's just not something that you want to, I don't know, pin a lot of fab on because of the uncertainty there and how bad he's been thus far. Yeah, I would say, you know, only pretty much NL only for for Segura because he, he's not going to he's not going to ruin your batting average. He, he's a a pretty steady floor batting average but i don't think there's anything else he's going to bring to the table he doesn't run anymore and mm-hmm. there's no power there yep well in arizona merrill kelly was placed on the 15-day il with a right with right calf inflammation and brandon fought was recalled <laughs> but he was like immediately optioned after a terrible start so the Diamondbacks are still running with a four-man rotation right now and on the offensive end dominic fletcher and kyle lewis were recalled while paven smith was optioned so a lot of shuffling there but I don't think there's too much actionable in terms of fab or, or mm-hmm. fantasy. I think, yeah, Fletcher's just pretty much up for now, just as Corbin Carroll insurance, because yes. he's, he's dealing with a, an injury that hopefully doesn't, that doesn't put him on the IL. Um, and then Lewis is just, yeah, he's going to be in a platoon with the other left-handed outfielders they have there at either Alec Thomas or Jake McCarthy. So, uh yeah, not nothing really. Yeah, nothing actionable there. I do think it's interesting what's going on at third base there. Um, looks mm-hmm. like Evan Longoria is now. I mean, they went started with Josh Rojas, then Emmanuel Rivera, and now it looks like Evan Longoria might be the guy that they roll with most most days and kind of musical chairs at third base. But I still, I've always kind of liked Emmanuel Rivera. I I 
you know, I, I hope he can kind of get back and take over that job again. But Longoria has been hitting, has been swinging the bat well lately. So I guess it makes sense for them to roll with him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, don't get don't get fooled by Dominic Fletcher's numbers. They were good in his previous mm. call up and in the minors, but he's only going to have playing time temporarily, at least uh, until one of the other outfielders there gets injured or falls off offensively. But <laughs> not too much actionable there. It will be interesting to see who they plug into the rotation the next yeah. time through. I mean, Dre Jamison threw forty four pitches in that ge- that outing that Fat started. I wonder mm. if they like let him go 60 pitches and, and start that game maybe um interesting that's kind of the only outside of i don't i don't know who else they could call up but i feel like maybe they just go with jameson in a bullpen game and because i yeah. think i think kelly should be back after one more start and or one more turn in the rotation cool yeah so uh, no, nothing too actionable there so we can move to one that actually might be a little more actionable I actually picked up one of these guys in one of my leagues recently uh matt manning was activated mm. from the 60-day IL uh, after he was dealing with a fractured toe and right foot. And Eduardo Rodriguez is set to be activated to start on Wednesday versus the A's. He was out with a left index finger pulley rupture, which sounds awful, especially for a pitcher. But Eduardo Rodriguez was actually available in a couple of leagues. I, I had him available in a 15-teamer for multiple weeks. I picked him up last weekend, and I just picked him up in a 12-teamer this weekend. And Matt Manning has been up and down in terms of how we see him in fantasy he i think he had a a stretch last year where he looked really good and i guess the whole year 3.43 era but uh yeah i mean super up and down because of the lack of strikeouts there but he returned on the 27th and tossed 5.2 innings of two runs two run ball but he had a four to four strikeout to walk ratio is he somebody you're interested in is eduardo rodriguez a must pick up in every league um, yeah, Manning's always been intriguing to me. I, you know, there's, well, yeah, I, I think Manning is a deeper league option. I think Eduardo is a guy that you probably want to at least throw some speculative, you know, dollars out. You don't want him to go for, for one or $2 on the wire. Um, because he, he was looking really good before his injury. Uh, Manning's probably more of a deep league ad. Uh, I think we also forgot to mention Tarek Skubal's back on Tuesday. He starts on Tuesday against Oakland. He actually starts two games next week in, against Oakland and then Toronto. And I think that might be my, the most interesting option in this rotation. I, I know you mentioned we talking, talked about him a little bit before the show. He's he's throwing harder now and uh, could be could be intrigued there for Skubal over the second half. Yeah, that's a good call. He's uh, definitely been my favorite of the like trio of prospect pitchers coming out of Detroit there, him, Casey Mize, and Matt Manning. He's definitely had the most success last year, 3.52 ERA across 117 innings, 24% strikeout rate there. And if he comes back with better stuff and is sort of rejuvenated from um, taking it slow during the preseason because mm. of the injury that he was dealing with, that could be somebody that's pretty interesting. The home ballpark there is really nice. He won't have a lot of run support, uh, but that definitely somebody that interests me more in in more so than Matt Manning. I think yeah. I would still get Eduardo Rodriguez over him, given that we've seen what he can do, and that was somebody that I was interested in last year when he uh, sort of struggled for a bunch of different reasons. But yeah, I think definitely some options there, especially for Fab. Tarek Skubal is going to be somebody that is going to be available in probably every league. He may not even be eligible until he starts in NFBC leagues. Oh, that's a good question. I would, yeah, I have to check that. I, I'm not sure on that one. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, well, we can go to another pitcher that was recalled recently, and that was David Peterson. He was a guy that had a lot of hype in the offseason because he had shown success in previous spot starts and and the like with the Mets, but he came up and sort of disappointed everyone this year, mostly because he changed his slider for a reason I still can't quite understand. That was Mm. like such a great pitch, and then he changed it, and it was an awful pitch, and so I don't know why he did that, and he struggled throughout the first couple of months of the season, month and a half. He had an eight ERA through his first eight starts, and it did come with a 3.43 XFIP, but you can sort of pin it on that terrible slider, but he came back uh, recently on the 27th and tossed six scoreless innings with five strikeouts. Is this somebody you're going to be throwing like, I don't know, 3% on or more? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Um the Mets definitely need some some help at the back end of that rotation right now. I think he could stick. Uh, he's had some bad luck. I three point nine two BABIP on the year in, mm-hmm. in his nine starts. Um, and you know, I like the I like the swing and the, the swing and miss stuff still still there. He's you know fifty strikeouts over forty five innings. Um, I I think he could be a very useful second half um, starter, and I would I would definitely add you know speculate on him. He's, he's starting on Sunday, so he's starting today. If when this podcast comes out um, against the Giants, kind of you can see how that one goes, and then make a decision later later tonight. But um, definitely intriguing arm, especially at this point of the year, and for for a team that as bad as they've been, I mean, there's there's probably there's more win viability there than in a lot of other, you know, Oakland or Detroit, other teams like that, that have some interesting names on the wire. Yeah. Well, we can keep this next one short. We've got Logan Allen being optioned in favor of Cal Quantrill being activated from the 15 day IL after dealing with right shoulder inflammation. Uh, I don't know. Quantrill sort of found success the past couple of years with smoke and mirrors. He had a very good ERA with terrible peripherals. doesn't strike anybody out. And he's been terrible this year coming off an injury his return saw him allow six runs in three and a third innings. Uh, I, I can't imagine myself throwing any money on him. Can you? No, um, probably not. There's just not, there's just no upside really in it. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's not a lot of swing and miss here. I think, I don't even, I mean, Logan Allen, I know he's struggled lately, but I still wonder if he's a better option than Cal Quantrill. Like to but, hold uh, on to him? Uh, just no for like the for the guardians as in the yeah. rotation. Like I, oh, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think looking at the, the the rotation right now, he's probably the first man. I I know they might option Gavin Williams if you know, but like, well, they sent Allen down. So yeah, no, I'm, I, yeah, I'm just like if when I know it's going to be a while for Tristan McKenzie to to return, but okay, you know, once once there becomes you know, or or if they you know. I don't know. I, I just I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't spend spend anything on Quantrill no. and AL only maybe a, a couple of bucks, but that's it. Yeah. Uh, this next one is pretty interesting because it's sort of two guys switching spots. We got Luis Urias going to the minors in deference to Bryce Terang, who got off to a hot start this season. Didn't he have like a walk off grand slam or something super yeah. early in the season and that was like his big calling card and then <laughs> sort of went down from there but that was a guy i was interested in preseason i got him in a couple places this is his debut season he's only 23 he had a trio of home runs and nine steals prior to going to the minors and in the minors he did pretty well he batted 298 hit 
three more home runs, stole two bases, 127 WRC plus. So he definitely got his bat going again. And I think he's going to be playing second base the majority of the time, at least being on the strong side of a platoon there. Is that somebody you're going to be interested in throwing a a couple of bucks on? Because I I don't think he's going to be too expensive in most leagues. Yeah, maybe in deeper leagues. I mean, this whole this roster, this whole offense has been really disappointing. Um, mm. And it really it's frustrating because there's like names here that I want to succeed. And I want, you know, uh, you're like Urias. I was big on. Yeah. And, you know, it's, like it's three years. <laughs> I didn't even I know he's been struggling. But when I saw that he was optioned, I'm like even like how did like in this offense, he's the guy that <laughs> yeah. gets option. But uh, sure. Um, you know, Andrew Monasterio is still up. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I want him to work on some things. You know, he missed half half the year already. So, uh, Terang, sure. Um, deeper leagues, throw a couple bucks on him because there there are some. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be like a huge power or speed guy, but he he mixes in a little bit of both, and he should be able to hit for a high enough average where he can stick around at some point. Maybe this, this being his second, you know, his next his you know, second time called mm-hmm. up. Maybe this is it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, interesting, interesting, but um, again, not, not someone I'm breaking the bank for in shallow leagues. Yeah. All right. Well, we can wrap things up with just a couple more. I think this one's going to be pretty quick as well. Alejandro Kirk was activated from the 10 day IL. He missed a couple of weeks with a left hand laceration. Seems like he's going to be on the short side of a platoon at DH while playing backup catcher for Danny Jansen in Toronto. Not too great. He's more of a points league play because he doesn't strike out and the rest of his game has not been there this year. I think he's probably an option that you want to consider in the majority of two two catcher 15 team mm. leagues but outside of that i'm not too interested yeah he's a name I, i've been looking at in a couple of leagues that are two catcher leagues that are 15 team leagues that his he he, got, he was sent to the wire and um interesting as a second catcher option because i know he's really struggled this year but he's still a you know the catcher position is what the catcher position is there's not a lot of hope and upside there for the most part. So I, I think he still makes sense as a second catcher in those types of leagues, but in one catcher leagues, I don't think you're, you're looking at him at all. Mm-hmm. We had another trade. That's not really fantasy relevant, but Araldis Chapman was sent to Texas in exchange for Cole Reagans. And I think it was Rony Cabrera, who's like a 17 year old outfielder. So he's not going to be fantasy viable, but Reagan's probably not either, but, does Araldis Chapman sort of figure into that closer role at all? Do you think? Well, I I still you know I might throw a dollar, a couple dollars on him speculatively. I think it's a slightly better situation. Um, obviously, there's more saves to be had in Texas, but Will Smith has been pitching really well. There's no reason to remove him from the role right now. That being said, I'm not sure how you know we've talked about it on you know in our. On in the pen podcast about you know I'm not sure how well he holds up over the second half of the year. I you know talked up Josh Spores, but now I think Chapman is the the second guy, uh, the next in line there, and someone who maybe by August is in the closer role. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it's it's just not something I want to get too excited about right now but i do see a lot of people adding him in leagues right now he's mm-hmm. I think he was one of the most added players in yahoo over the past couple of days 
Yeah, that trio in in Texas is looking pretty yeah. deadly with Sports Chapman and Smith. I think they're gonna look they're gonna do pretty well in the playoffs. But we can stick in the AL West with our second to last guy, and it's Jordan Diaz being recalled for the A's with Jonah Bride being optioned. Not sure this is too relevant, but Jordan Diaz did have a game this year where he hit a trio of home runs, <laughs> and he has been like one of the team's top ten prospects, and I think he's gonna play at least like 50% of the time. He's played in each of his two games thus far at DH, but he can also play second and first base. The, more like an AL only play, but do you have any interest in 15-team leagues? Uh, a little bit, actually. I do kind of like his uh, profile. as a, you know He's definitely a bat-first guy. It looks like he's going to you know DH a lot, which, sure. I know there was, there was always questions about where would he end up playing in the infield. And yeah, I mean, if they have an open DH spot, then... Let get the bat in the lineup, and you know he should be able to help you out in a you know bunch of a couple categories at least. Um, that being said, again, it's not like a some it's not a must add in twelve teamers. Probably not even a must add in fifteen or sixteen teamers. You're you know maybe a speculative ad if you need a if you need some infield help. But um, interesting interesting bat for sure. Uh, I think you know it's just it's the A's. So what what's gonna happen? What, he's not gonna you know, help out a ton with runs mm-hmm. or RBIs. Yeah. Yep. Well, our last one, we've got an unfortunate one. A Shane McClanahan was just today placed on the IL with back tightness, probably just a two week stint there. So he'll miss two or three starts and we'll be back shortly, probably after the all-star break. But who do you think could take his spot in the rotation while he's gone? I know Luis Patino and Cooper Criswell are options <laughs> that are on the 40 man roster right now, but you know, the Rays are not scared to go with the full on bullpen game. Yeah. So what is he going to end up missing? So two starts. I, I think that you, they're throwing the Rays. They might give Patino a shot or they might just, you know, have a couple bullpen games to get them through the all-star break. Um, But if Patino does get called up, definitely a little bit of interest there, giving his prospect pedigree and, you know, We've seen some upside from him. It's just hit very hit or miss when when he's on the mound. So, uh, other than that, I don't think there's anyone really worth getting excited for here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just hoping to get McClanahan back and healthy for the second half. Cool. Well, that's going to wrap up our news and notes section for this episode. As always, I'm sure there's some things that we miss, especially because this is our first time leading the podcast. So to keep up with all the news, make sure you're listening to Nick's plus pitch podcast where he talks about every starting pitch performance from every single day. And I'd also give the first pitch podcast a listen led by Casey Bubba and myself, which breaks down the news highlights and observation from every day's worth of games, as well as looking forward to keep you ready for every single day of baseball. In just a moment, we're going to talk about some of the closers to target in fab this coming Sunday. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. 
And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, and we're back. Of course, you're listening to On The Wire. My name is Jake Crumpler, joined by Rick Graham. And we're going to do our focus topic. It's going to be a short one since we had a lot of news and notes to talk about. But, you know, our expertise is relievers. We do the mm. In The Pen podcast every week. So we're going to do sort of a little preview of what you can see over at In The Pen. Usually we go a lot deeper. But we're going to give you a couple closers to target in FAB this coming Sunday. Um, I will just kick it right off with Liam Hendricks, who's rostered, I think, in around 60% of Yahoo leagues. So he's not super available, but I have seen him in some 15 teamers because he's been on the IL. He was cleared to start throwing on June 27th. So his return could be within the next week or two. And you may want to jump on him before the all-star break, because afterwards, I think he's probably going to be the closer throughout the second half and could get traded to a contender. Is Liam Hendricks somebody that you're targeting in fab this Sunday? Yeah, I think so. If he's still on the wire for whatever, I mean, yeah, I, I think even in leagues where there's no IL spot, I think he might be, this might be the time to buy in. The Kendall Graveman hasn't pitched well um, mm-hmm. in, you know, in his, as his replacement. So it, not that there were, he was any sort of threat to begin with, but he clearly isn't now. And then, like you said, there's a very good chance to l- at least, you know, talk to him about, you know, being traded to a contender as that, mm-hmm. that White Sox team is not going to make the playoffs probably. So yeah. Um, I think he's definitely if 60% of leagues. Yeah. If he's in one, if you're in one of those 40% of Yahoo leagues where he's available, I, I would consider, you know, adding him this, this week. Yeah. He's a, uh- you could definitely get him cheap right now while yeah. uh, b- before people start to realize, oh, he's going to be coming back soon. And somebody else that's sort of in that same boat where you can get him cheap before he <laughs> may be the full-time closer, this is going to be really early. And that's Carlos Hernandez for the Royals. We've already seen Araldis Chapman go out. So Carlos Hernandez is already the top setup option in Kansas City. But Scott Barlow is also a top trade candidate right now so if barlow is traded i mean we're getting really close to trade season it it comes on you fast that okay phrasing but um after the all-star break we're going to see a lot of trades and i think barlow is going to be one of the top candidates there and hernandez could be a guy that quickly jumps into the closer role in kansas city though they won't have too many wins it's still a guy in very deep leagues that i'd be considering yeah, this is good. This is a very good call out right here because I know we talked about it a little bit uh, on in the pen. I don't know about a month ago um, when there was first kind of rumor that both guys were on the block, and it was looking like Taylor Clark might be the next guy in line. But I, I think Hernandez. I think Clark's kind of fallen out of the picture yeah. there, and uh, Hernandez would be very, very interesting given his stuff um, and how it plays. So I, I don't know. You might be a little. You might be right. It might be a little too early, but you're. Barlow could go next week and and then, you know, you you might miss out on Hernandez. So uh, speculative ad in 15, 16 teamers. Sure. I, I like it throwing a dollar or two on him this week. 
Mm -hmm. So sort of in that same boat, we already talked about Araldis Chapman, so I'm going to skip that one and we're going to go straight to Shintaro Fujinami. This one might be the deepest pull of all as not only are the A's somehow worse than the Kansas City Royals, just barely, but Shintaro Fujinami has not had the same success that Carlos Hernandez has, but Trevor May is the top option in Oakland right now. He's not really locked down that role. That's that's number one. And number two, he's also going to be on the trade block. And Shintaro Fujinami has some of the best stuff in, stuff in baseball. He just can't control it. That is, until recently, his last seven outings, he's, to he's tossed eight in the third innings, comes with a 3.24 ERA and a 1.32 whip, which is pretty solid, more, more so mediocre, but it comes with a 9 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio, whereas prior to those last seven outings, he tossed 34 innings of 11 ERA ball with a 34 to 29 strikeout to walk ratio. Absolutely terrible. So to see him limit the walks while still striking guys out and not allowing a lot of runs, maybe he's finally turning the corner in terms of honing his stuff and getting it in the zone. And he would be a really cool option to have in fantasy as the closer for, for the A's. But like right now it's going to be like really deep leagues, like AL only where you're going to be sort of speculating there. <laughs> yeah. Fujinami or Ursig would be the fun, fun options there. But you know, there's also, I, I know you're, you, I won't, you're the resident A's, uh, guy on the on the staff. So, I, I what about like Sam Mole? He's kind of he figured into a save earlier this week. Is doing this Mole or Ursig or Ursig? Either one of those kind of worry. Like you think it would be Fujinami over those two? I don't know if I specifically think it would be Fujinami. I just yeah. hope it would be. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. He's got really good stuff. Yeah, Ursig has been seeing more time uh in high leverage roles there and he's been pretty solid this year that's a guy who was transitioned from being a position player prospect to a reliever and was acquired by the A's from the Brewers earlier this year I think in May and Sam Mole has been one of the most solid relievers in Oakland the past couple of years but he's got a 450 ERA so that's sort mm. of the level of solid we're talking about in <laughs> Oakland so I think it's sort of open for anybody there I would love to see Shintaro Fujinami take that and you know, that would be really yeah. something to root for in the second half. But yeah, there's there's zero guarantees. Yeah, Fujinami, I agree with you. That's the fun one because his stuff is is nasty. I mean, he yeah. has a whole arsenal mm -hmm. uh, of, you know, filthiness. So if he could, yeah, if the command can stick and he can, you know, you know, figure that out, then yeah, he's very, very interesting long term uh, play. Cool. Well, that's going to wrap up this section of the podcast. We'll have some more saves recommendations later in the pod. But right now we're going to have a quick talk about Underdog Fantasy's seventh inning stretch, their second half best ball tournament. It's going to be pretty interesting because there's so many ways to win money there. You do a draft. I think it's a 12 team league and then you win money based off how you perform through the rest of the year. You don't have to set your lineup. So you just do the draft and then best it's a best ball league so uh underdog chooses your best lineup throughout the year and that's that's pretty fun it, it definitely opens you up for a lot of different strategies and i think we're going to talk about our strategy entering this tournament it's only seven dollars uh you can sign up for the seventh inning stretch on underdog fantasy and you use our code pitcher list and that'll give you a 100 deposit match up to a hundred dollars and like i said it's only seven dollars to enter our code is p-i-t-c-h-e-r-l-i-s-t all caps but some of the guys we are looking at I, we're going to do a pitcher and a hitter each and we're sort of looking to take advantage of this points format where 
not only do you not get minus points for walks as a pitcher, but you don't get negative points for strikeouts as a hitter. So that was something we were going to look to take advantage of. I think we'll start on the pitching end. And one guy that I was really interested in is Kodai Senga, who big strikeout guy, but also a big walk guy, but he has been able to make it work. So while he does have a good ERA, the whip can get up there, but those walks aren't being accounted for. He's got a 3.53 ERA with a 28.5% strikeout rate, but he's walking 13% of batters. Not ideal for the majority of points leagues, but ones like the seventh inning stretch, you can get a lot of uh, value there in your drafts because he's not going to go super early, but he's somebody that I think that is going to play above their talent level because of the scoring format. Yeah, I, I do like Senga as a good second half um, potential you know, option. He's like you said, the walks are a concern, but in this format, it's not, it doesn't really hurt you as much. It's not like you're counting whip. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, definitely a great for a great best ball option, especially with the type of upside we've seen in some of his starts this year. Yeah. And uh, who, who do you got on the pitching end? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go with a similar kind of guy who has a bit of a walk, problem and that's Reed Detmers who's been on fire in June maybe he's figured it out maybe we're finally seeing that the Reed Detmers breakout uh he had a 2.05 ERA and a 0.91 whip with 36 strikeouts over 30.2 innings in June so if he can keep that going you know the only thing that really concerned me like with him is 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 the walk rate but you know you don't you don't get ding for walks in this format mm-hmm. so you know, let's just rack up the strikeouts and hopefully quality starts for him in, you know, going forward. Yeah. And you mentioned 2.05 ERA through June. If you take out his first start of June, he's got a 1.05 ERA in his last mm. four starts. And that comes with at least eight strikeouts in every start this in that stretch. So definitely a guy who's been on fire and, you know, his ERA numbers aren't really reflecting how good he's been recently. And so I think that's a a very good call. And now we can move to our hitter suggestions and I'm going to go with Jack Sawinski. I mean, this is sort of an interesting one because I think he will go late in these drafts, but he is definitely a sneaky pull because this is a points leagues. We're counting the power. We're counting the walks. We're counting the hit by pitches. This doesn't, the scoring format doesn't, necessarily count total bases but we're counting doubles and triples and singles as well as home runs and Swinski not only has 16 home runs but he's walking almost 16 percent of the time and has thrown in seven stolen bases so while he's not going to be getting a ton of hits the 31 percent strikeout rate doesn't ding him at all and so the power the the speed and the plate discipline that's going to earn him a lot of points in many different ways yeah, that's a great call. I mean, he, and he, for a best ball, I feel like he's a good fit because there is a lot of streakiness yes. to him. But when he's hot, he's I mean, he's one of the best best hitters against right handed pitchers in baseball. He just can't really handle lefties yet. But against righties, he he has you know he's had great numbers the past two seasons. He's he's definitely someone who keeps getting slept on. I I, I think mm-hmm. I think next year we won't. He'll be a guy that's drafted in pretty much every league. But I think we're still at the point where he's a little bit slept on and. Yeah, that's a great call. Someone you could probably get um, later on in drafts for, you know, not not a lot of uh, not not too much draft stock. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned his his stats versus righties. Got all sixteen of his home runs have come versus righties, and it comes with a one forty six WRC plus, <laughs> which is yeah, I mean that forty six percent better than league average. He's definitely one of the best hitters against right handed pitchers. Uh, and now I'll leave the floor open for you to <laughs> tell us about your hitter. I'll, I'll go over another hot you know hot hitter right now, and that's Tommy Pham for the Mets, who's putting up some of his best stat cast numbers mm-hmm. in his career at age thirty five for the Mets. So. He's kind of been the one, you know, bright spot in what's been a, let's be honest, a dismal year for the Mets this year. Um, but he's been on fire lately with a one, you know, his OPS is over a thousand in his last 118 plate appearances going back to May, middle of May. Um, he's finally, you know, he's getting full, you know, everyday playing time because he's, he is one of the best, prob- probably the best Mets hitter at the moment. So it's kind of, you know, he doesn't run anymore. He doesn't really get a ton of steals, but he will walk. He'll, he'll he, he does have, let's see, you 10% know, walk rate. He does yeah, have nine steals though. He does have, and he's got four steals in June. So, I mean, he'll do a little bit of everything for you. Uh, strikes out a little bit, but again, you know, strikeouts aren't too much of a concern for hitters mm. in this in this format exactly yeah and his 136 wrc plus right now is his career best since his 2017 breakout so it's been fun to see him bounce back like you said the stack has numbers are off the charts i had my brother go look at it his page the other day because he was sort of wondering why he was on my fantasy team in our home league and he pulled open his stack cast page and was like oh i see all the uh the red lollipops they uh they are yes. they look yeah. tasty yeah so tommy fam great call there but you can sign up for the seventh inning stretch on underdog fantasy and using our code pitcher list all caps p-i-t-c-h-e-r-l-i-s-t you'll receive a 100 percent deposit match up to 100 dollars, and it's only seven dollars to enter just check the description of this episode for the sign up link and make sure to use the promo code pitcher list when you sign up you must be 18 years or older 19 or older in alabama and nebraska 21 or older in massachusetts and arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call one eight seven seven eight hope ny And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. But before we talk about some player recommendations for this Sunday's Fab Run, we're going to take another quick break. All right, and we're back, and we're going to break down some of the best options for fab this coming weekend we're going to break it down into different sections so we've got power we've got speed we've got wins and strikeouts ratios saves and we've got a wild card to throw in there at the very end so we're going to each give a recommendation for each of these categories we're looking for guys that are sort of rostered in less than a third of yahoo leagues just so that they're actually actionable they're available in your leagues so we're going to kick it off with power so home runs and rbis my guy is max kepler who's i've been interested in for quite a while he's been a guy that i really like in points leagues because he walks a lot and he doesn't strike out too much while producing a lot of power that hasn't been the case this year he's sort of gone in the wrong direction in both of those categories but that comes with some of the 
best uh, or sort of biggest discrepancies between expected and actual performance in terms of stat cast. He's got an 11% barrel rate, which is the highest of his career. And he's underperforming both his expected batting average by 30 points and expected slug by almost 20 points. And that comes with a BABIP under 200. And he's already hit 11 home runs this year. So I think this is a guy that is starting to break out. We've seen the power come along recently. Uh, I think in his past like two weeks or so, uh, 11 days, he's hit four home runs. So it seems to be coming around. Uh, is Max Kepler somebody that you are also going to be targeting in fantasy leagues? E- maybe. <laughs> um, I've always liked, I've always liked Max Kepler. Um, the problem is, is the, you know, there's always been a con, a little bit of a contact rate issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of swing and miss there, but the power numbers, I, I, I think we've been waiting for the Max Kepler breakout for so long, and it's been so frustrating that it hasn't happened that I, I've kind of moved on from him a little mm-hmm. bit. But I overall, like the majority, I mean, he hit, hits the ball hard. He does have, you know, pretty good launch angle numbers. It's just, you know, let's see what the playing time looks like. I think in deeper leagues, it, it's it's worth an it's worth you know a shot in you know your 15 16 team deep yeah. you know roto leagues sure i i would be interested in this over a lot of the other options but um you know in 12 teamers i think i'm i think i'm still a little bit you know i'm going to shy away from him at the at the moment yeah he's more of a streamer versus right-handers in uh 12 team or deeper and then in 15 team leagues i think he's just a cheap option for power right now he's three percent owned on yahoo and rick who do you have in terms of targets for power and home runs and rbi this week uh, i'll go with carlos santana only 11 percent owned on yahoo um the name that i thought we weren't going to be interested in uh well, after at, that at, dance he did yesterday. well that was awesome i that was awesome he's such <laughs> a everybody's fun radar He's such a fun player, and I love seeing him. You know what he did in Seattle last year, and what I mean. I don't think it's a coincidence that Seattle was, you know, as good as they were last year, and now Pittsburgh's kind of overperforming. I think he's mm-hmm. a great clubhouse guy, but he's also performing really well with an eight seventy six OPS in June. That comes with six home runs and nineteen RBIs. So there's still a little juice there. There's still there's still a little pop. He's still the everyday cleanup guy for them. Um. And that team does have a little bit of an offensive, you know, they have McCutcheon swinging the bat well. There, there's some, you know, there's some offense that we talked about. We've, yeah, we talked we talked about Sawinski. Um, so yep. it's not like he's in a barren offense. He he'll, he should have RBI opportunities. So he's hot right now. Is it gonna is it gonna is it gonna last? We'll see. But it, especially in like if you're in points leagues, he's always yes. been a good guy who mm-hmm. you know gets a lot of walks, doesn't strike out a lot. It, those numbers have kind of actually taken a little bit of a dip this year, but still above average. So mm-hmm. if he still has, if he's still hitting for power like he has been in June, then we'll, you know we'll take the we'll take that. So um, yeah, I, th- I think Carlos Santana is a very intriguing power option and especially the first base position hasn't been you know it's been a little bit lackluster this year i feel mm-hmm. yeah and he, he's been a league winner for me in more than a few points leagues and it's crazy that he's still kicking at the age of 37 and still being a difference maker in right real baseball and fantasy baseball it, it's a lot of fun to see he's been one of my favorite players for a while i'm gonna let you take this one first as well i also because i know mm-hmm. that we had the uh <laughs> the same choice here but uh 
you know, we, we got an extra option. But in terms of speed, guys that you think are going to be racking up these stolen bases and scoring runs, who are you targeting this week in Fab? Yeah, I know. It's funny. We both were like looking for some speed options in deeper leagues, and we both came up with the same name pretty much at the yeah. same time. And it was, <laughs> it's Will Benson. And it, it, Will Benson is also, it's not just speed. I think he can help out with, a, you know, some other things as well. Yeah. He's, He's definitely got some pop. He's 6'5", 230. He's a big guy, but he, he runs well. He has 89th percentile sprint speed, has six stolen bases in June, had two in the past week. Um, he's starting in left field against right-handed pitching, uh, another one of those strong side platoon guys that you could play matchups with. And, you know, Will Myers is gone now, so it's not that he was much of a threat to playing time to begin with, but I, I think Benson should should be there in, the, in their starting you know lineup for – Against right-handed hitters, you know, moving forward, I don't think there's anyone else that can take over that role. Um, and, you know, 11 stolen bases in 28 AAA games this year. So mm-hmm. there, there could be room for more stolen bases um, if the Reds let them kind of let them fly. Yeah, he's he's super interesting and he's a lot of fun, too. We saw that walk off home mm-hmm. run he hit mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago and he was super fired up. This was a guy that I was pretty interested in prior to the season. Uh, during draft season, I think he was somebody that was going really under the radar and playing in Cincinnati, one of the best ballparks in baseball for hitters. Super interesting there. And he's got that power speed combo, 17 homers, 16 steals at AAA in 2022. And he doesn't strike out a, walk, a lot and he walks a ton. And so that gives him yeah. more opportunities on base to steal. So that helps you more in this speed category. So he's somebody that's super interesting, small uh, sample size notice but he does have a 12 percent barrel rate as well so the stat cast numbers are backing up the power there as well so it's just six percent owned in yahoo right now definitely a guy that's going to be available in a lot of leagues and somebody i'll be interested in forgot to say santana's he's at 11 percent right now mm-hmm. um but we'll go to my speed option and that's michael garcia sort of owned in more leagues than the other two guys because he got off to such a hot start when he got called up to the majors he's 28 percent rostered but the middle infielder and corner infielder for the Royals has actually been really good thus far, mostly in terms of speed. He's got 13 stolen bases. He is batting 271, but he's shown really good contact skills despite the lack of power. He does hit the ball hard. It's just on the ground a lot. And while that's fine because he's really fast and I think he's going to continue to steal a lot of bases for the Royals and he's getting a lot of playing time there as well. Uh, I think he's playing almost every day. Uh, he, holy moly, they haven't batting cleanup. He's been batting cleanup and playing third base, that's, shortstop, and second base. That's the Royals lineup for you. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's not a not your typical cleanup hitter. But Michael wow. Garcia definitely a very interesting option. He didn't play a lot in the minors, but since being called up, he's been up for fifty games and been very solid at at the very least in just the speed department. Yeah, I really, I really like that call. I tried to get him last week, um, missed out on him in a couple leagues, got him in a couple, but he's not just speed. He can, you know, he's got a little bit of pop for, you know, a sne- sneaky pop for someone like, a, you know, a middle infielder of his size. Um, yeah, very, very intriguing uh, option. And I wasn't sure. I honestly was kind of surprised at how, how much he's been running, but uh, it's great to see. And, and that's, I think, part partially the Royals just kind of, they'll let anyone kind of you know steal bases and run so it's Mm -hmm. it's you know take advantage of that when you can and michael garcia is and can definitely help you in stolen base category for your for your fantasy teams and i will say i just a long you know long-term play we kind of talked about him earlier jaron duran um Mm -hmm. he has not 
listed as a starter. And I know Adam Duvall and Kike Hernandez have been playing a lot uh, in the outfield over him. But if those two guys who are both on one-year deals are traded at the deadline because the Red Sox are, you know, not exactly in the playoff, you know, race right now, they're a couple games, they're, they're a little far back. I think they could end up being sellers because this was always going to be a, a, you know, a, a bridge year kind of for them. Uh, mm-hmm. So if they if they move on from them and Duran gets full time playing time, he could be kind of a, a I don't want to say a league winner because um, I don't know what else he's going to bring to the table, but. I mean, he can definitely catapult you in the Steel's department in the second half of the year if he, he gets full-time playing time again. Definitely, and he's only 15% rostered in Yahoo, so he is definitely available in a lot of leagues. Um, we can look at the schedule now. We've got 15 teams with a full seven-game week right now. Baltimore, the Yankees, Cleveland, Kansas City, Houston, Seattle, Texas, Miami, Washington, the Cubs, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, and the Dodgers, and only two teams have two days off, and that's the Rockies and the Angels, uh, both on different days of the week, and then every other team plays at least six games. Colorado, I think, is the only one that's sort of actionable here. They are on the road all Mm. week playing in Houston and San Francisco, and they only play five days of the week. I would definitely be benching the majority of or all of my Colorado Rockies hitters. I doubt there's too many people with Colorado Rockies pitchers on their teams, but I, I don't think I'll be playing my Rockies guys this week as not only will they be adjusting from losing the elevation, but they won't have that benefit there and they're barely playing any games. Yeah, that's a good call. I I think outside, I mean, who, who even outside of maybe Ryan McMahon? Yeah. You're probably sitting the rest of the, your, your Colorado Rockies next week. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, we can move to our pitching recommendations. Started off with wins and K's. Um, I, I think this is pretty clear. Just you just want some good starters here on good teams that'll get you wins. Most starters that are good strike out a lot of guys. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, I'll start with my guy, and I, I've got David Peterson. We talked about him earlier in the podcast as a guy that just recently got called up and had success in his return. He was really underperforming his uh, underlying metrics. Like I said, ERA at eight with a sub 3.5 XFIP right now. He's already brought his ERA down to seven in that one start and he's got a 3.42 XFIP. He's striking out 24% of batters, but I think that could go up a little given how unlucky he's been thus far this year. Uh, yeah, I, I think David Peterson is a guy that could be interesting this week. Um, let me double check who he's starting against this week. That's probably a uh, good idea. He's taking on the Diamondbacks, so not the. Oh, he's taking on the Giants on Sunday, and then he will get the next series there after the Diamondbacks. So that'll be definitely a factor to consider. But how are you feeling about David Peterson this week? Yeah, I mean, we talked about him a little bit earlier. I am intrigued by the player. I, I think. You know, as far as upside plays go, there's not a lot of options at that, you know, roster rate that fit Peterson's mold um, with, with his strikeout upside. So I think, let's see, it would be, it looks like it might be at Padres. San Diego. Yeah, at yeah. San Diego. I don't, 
I don't necessarily hate that. Um, no, their lineup is not too great, and it's sort of like lefty. He- well, I, they got a lot of righties, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's righty heavy. <laughs> I was gonna say. Lefty <laughs> well, heavy. I mean, with, with, I mean, depending on Machado's status, but yeah, there's you know Tatis and Bogarts, but other than that, you know, it's you, you know, Soto, Cronenworth, Carpenter, Grisham. It can so be scary. Yeah, it, it's it's streak. It's a streaky lineup. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, but at the same time, the Padres have been horrible lately. Yeah, and I mean. Graham Ashcraft just sh- destroyed them yesterday, and he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball up until last his, last night. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I, it's a good. I think that's a sneaky good call, uh, especially seven percent owned. Yeah, I mean, I know he ha- or he hasn't been you know in the majors for a while, but um, yeah, I, it's it's a good call. Thanks. Uh, who do you have for wins and, and strikeouts this week? <laughs> um, I'm kind of pivot. I'm going with a two start guy because I'll take my two chances to get a win, even though this guy pitches for the worst team in baseball, and that's JP Sears. Um, but his first starts against Detroit, so I, I think you know that's definitely a winnable game, especially with uh, I believe that's Scooball's first game back. Uh, so there could be a little bit of um, still ill going on there with Scooball. Mm-hmm. And then he's at Boston, which might scare some people away. But the Red Sox have definitely struggled against lefties lately. Um, you know, I I think if you're gonna start someone against the Red Sox, it's gonna you want him to be a lefty. Lefty, so I think he might be able to you know sneak kind of buy that one and have a chance for for a win, um, especially with let's see who the Red Sox who do they have lined up against them. It'd be Bayo, who's been pitching better lately, but still, I, I I don't I don't hate him against the Red Sox. I think, you know, the two starts give him a good strikeout upside and a chance of getting at least one win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good call. He's got a three point six seven ERA since the beginning of May, coming with fifty eight strikeouts and sixty one innings. PLV absolutely loves him. He's the eleventh best starter in terms of overall PLV and his fastball. Uh, grades out really well in PLV and he only throws 93 miles per hour. So he's definitely doing mm-hmm. something special there. Um, do you have any other suggestions in this department? <laughs> well, I, I, he was really bad. I think there was a little bit of hype around Austin Cox going into his start this past week and he did not look great. Um, but as long as he gets another chance, you know, I'm willing to kind of, I'll, I'll forgive that one. And he's only, you know, rostered in 1% of league. So you can get him pretty much anywhere. And he does make two starts next week against Minnesota and Cleveland. Minnesota is striking out more than any other team in baseball right now. Uh, Cleveland's offense doesn't scare me, especially when you talk about Cox, who's a, like 90% sure he's left-handed. Um, <laughs> no, I just double-checked that. I know. We're, we're getting real deep here. Uh, yeah, he is left-handed. I just wanted to make sure before I said that. I was like... Um, so yeah, I think it, it lefty's a good matchup against Cleveland's lineup. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Austin Cox, very deep league option who gets, mm-hmm. who is right now lined up to get to two starts next week. Yeah. And he's just 1% owned. So there's yeah. a very small chance that he's not available in your league. We can move to ratios. I liked your choices there more than mine, but I like my choice here for ratios more for ERA and whip. I've got Seth Lugo as my option this week. He's been really great recently. He was on the IL for a while, but prior to that, he was really good. 
and he's come back and he hasn't missed a beat. He has some pretty easy outings, but he's coming back. He's scheduled to start against the Angels, which can be a little bit scary considering they have Shohei Otani and obviously Mickey Moniak. But I don't think that really changes much for Seth Lugo for the year. He's got a 3.59 ERA since he's returned from the IL three starts. He's tossed 16 innings with a 2.25 ERA. So he's definitely figured it out. I, it's pretty crazy to see uh, a guy that was such like a solid reliever just transition seamlessly to the rotation. He's great mm. at getting ground balls and and not walking guys. And so while he's sort of Toby-esque with a 22% strikeout rate, I think definitely in like 15 teamers, he should be owned probably universally he's been very very good this year he's just 26 percent rostered yeah he's a um he was always kind of weird as a reliever because he throws five pitches and that you don't see that often from a mm-hmm. reliever uh so yeah i mean there was always talk of him transitioning to a starter and so far it's been it's working out it looks he looks like he belongs in the rotation uh and they're gonna you know the padres team we talked about them struggling they're gonna need him to pitch well to kind of help them get to where they want to be so yeah. yeah big big week for him at the the angels are again that's kind of a hit or miss offense i mean mm-hmm. if you can just work around otani and trout you're you might have, you're you're in pretty good shape so yeah i i don't i don't mind that call it only 26 percent uh rostered right now yeah all right who do you got <laughs> i went with a, rel- a reliever um oh, of course you did <laughs> i had to i felt like it you know um lucas sims uh Seven percent rostered right now. The Reds' hottest team in baseball. The Reds. They play seven games this week against Washington, and I think it's four against Washington and three against Milwaukee. Milwaukee's offense does not scare me at all right now. Obviously, Washington's off doesn't really scare anyone. So, I think Sims. He's the next man up behind Diaz in that bullpen. Uh, had a, coming off a really strong June where he had a one point nine three ERA and a point seven one WHIP. 19 strikeouts over 14 innings. So I think with the seven games in play, if he pitches in three or three of them, you, you you have a good chance for, you know, six to seven strikeouts, maybe, maybe a vulture win, maybe a save if Diaz, if he needs a break. Or, um, but he's definitely going to, he should help with ratios as well. So I think he could be a sneaky, sneaky good play next week, uh, given the matchups and the the way the Reds have been playing lately. Yeah, big big strikeout pitcher here, 31% on the year. Big swinging strike guy who uses his slider over 50% of the time, and he's got a 92nd percentile CSW with that pitch, 39% there, and his fastball is pretty good as well, coming in at 94.5 miles per hour with a pretty solid swinging strike rate over 11%. So definitely a guy that's going to get a lot of strikeouts, which with the possibility of grabbing at least one save, if the reds continue to win and Diaz Mm -hmm. sort of gets used a lot, but we'll sort of say, stay in that same range of relief pitchers and talk about the saves guys. We'll be looking at Mm -hmm. this week. Uh, I'm going to let you go first here because uh, this is a guy we've talked about all season and it seems like it's finally coming together. Yeah, we've, been talking about him for a while we talked about him uh, earlier this week but it's hunter harvey is finally the closer in washington and i think as of this past tuesday he had or yeah he, he has two saves since wednesday night so um he's just he, he's already kyle finnegan is not hasn't had a save in forever mm-hmm. it's harvey's 
job to lose. And he's still only rostered in 21% of Yahoo leagues. Um, I think when we, ch- when we checked on Thursday for our in the pen podcast, I think he was at like 9%. So it's, it's going up. It's he's up to 21%, but I still feel like that number needs to be at least like 50% or so, if not more, because even though it's a bad team, he is mm-hmm. a closer who does have some upside. Um, there's some strikeout ability there. He's got a great fastball. And, you know, we talked about the, he just needs to find that secondary to, to get a little bit more out of him. But um, I think given the, the landscape of saves right now for someone rostered under 25%, um, I, I think he's the, the best option. Definitely. Totally agree. He's been uh, somebody that we've been waiting all year to take over that closer role. Big fastball guy doesn't have a lot of secondaries, but that hasn't really mattered thus far. And the Nationals seem to be trusting him. And who who knows? Maybe they'll grab reinforcements at the deadline. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) Sean uh, Doolittle coming back. Yes. Cool. Great. Mm. Uh, I like him as a person. <laughs> yes. <he's> um, good. <laughs> but my recommendation here is going to be Justin Lawrence. Not my favorite option because he does pitch in cores, but he is sort of the ideal guy to pitch in cores. He throws a lot of sliders and he gets a lot of ground balls. And so 50, 50th in baseball in terms of relievers, ground ball rate, 57% there. And his slider is very good. Uh, not only 36% CSW, but it's 93rd percentile in terms of PLV. So it's one of the best sliders in baseball. And since Pierce Johnson was removed from that closer role, he's been getting all of the saves in Colorado. Pierce Johnson got the most recent one, but it should have been Justin Lawrence all year before that. He's got a 2.93 ERA and a nearly 25% strikeout rate. So if you're going to be trusting any reliever in cores, this is the guy. And I mean, I think in a lot of 15 teamers, this sort of just need to get saves any way you can and this is a guy that's gonna be getting saves for sure yeah um he's definitely my favorite reliever in colorado i just don't love the situation as a whole but um yeah i think 20 percent roster is still low for for someone who he's not pierce johnson he's definitely better than pierce johnson he's does the one if you're going to pitch in Colorado, it feels like you either have to have really high ground ball rates or really high strikeout rates, and he definitely has the ground ball rates, and he does mix in some strikeout ability as well. So, um, yeah, I think he's been and he's been in the role for a while, so he's still getting slept on a little bit. I, I do like mm-hmm. in in deeper leagues. I mean, he makes sense as a fourth or fifth reliever option or third for I guess a third option even if if you're you know desperate for saves so yeah that's a good call out and there aren't a ton of committees or you know there's not a ton of yeah. committees to kind of pick at right now the, the way the, co- the closer landscape is so especially with low roster rates yeah it's um yeah exactly the the good committee guys are rostered at a pretty high rate already so yeah i think these two guys are are good call outs for the week yeah, so we'll wrap things up with our wild cards. I mean, these can sort of be whatever you want, but I think we're going for guys that are sort of underperforming and we think a breakout could be coming in the second half. Rick, I'm going to let you go first again here. <laughs> sure. So I, this is just kind of a gut feel, I guess, more than anything. But um, I do think that there's some sort of breakout coming for Spencer, Tor- Spencer Torkelson. Uh, he's still, he's only rostered in 16% of leagues. He has really good hard hit metrics. Um, 
is you know we i know scott chu is a kind of is a fan of his is, is also a tigers fan so that might play into it a little bit but <laughs> you know the roll the, <laughs> the rolling graphs are are look are starting to 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 look better um you know since may he has nine home runs and 11 percent walk rate and a one a 111 wrc plus so he's been above average um I think just you know he's if he gets a little bit more batted batted ball luck kind of in his favor there could be a breakout on the horizon for him. It's tough you know and I think that team's tough like tough to kind of that team and that park it's not the best you know situation for a hitter to break out in but I there's still talent there I I, I think he's I think we might we don't want to forget on him or forget you know just forget about him too early yeah. given his pedigree and you know yeah. what we've seen in the minors he's still only 23 former number one overall mm. pick back in just 2020 and i like you said nine home runs since may seven home runs in june alone while the average wasn't really there the power is there and that's sort of something we've been waiting for from him uh, after he only hit eight home runs in his debut and started off the first couple of months of the season with just four home runs so the power is starting to come i think the rest of it's going to come if you look at his stat cast metrics underperforming his xba by more than 30 points underperforming his X slug by 60 points. He's got a barrel rate coming up on 12% and a 48% hard hit rate. So I, this is a guy that I think, yeah, the, the stat cast, cast metrics and everything backs it up and he's started to show the power. I think we just got to wait mm-hmm. for that contact to come through and then it's going to be a big second half. Yeah, I think, I think he's just, he's, he feels really close to that big breakout and I hope for him and for the, for the Tigers sake, I would love to see them have kind of a breakout offensive star because they, they need one. (laughs) Yeah. Especially with Riley green coming back, it'll be nice to see uh, those two working together. Um, We can go with my option now and it's definitely one that's probably not going to interest most people, but I think there's something there and that's Adam Frazier. He's rostered in just 15% of Yahoo leagues. Right now, 93 WRC plus, he's batting 229, but there's a lot of things to like about his profile right now. Uh, Not only is he posting the best play discipline metrics of his career, which he was already pretty good at not striking out and walking at like a league average rate. But right now, 8.8% walk rate, 11.7% strikeout rate. It's good for a 0.75 walk to strikeout ratio. That's one of the best in baseball. And that comes with some pretty interesting underlying metrics, uh, including just the fact that he's underperforming basically everything right now. His Mm. BABIP is at 229, matching his batting average. So that's definitely going to rise up as his career is at a 297 mark. So the average is likely to raise at least, you know, 20 points or so. His expected batting average is at 280. So that's a 51 point difference there. And he's already got nine home runs on the year. His career high is 10. So the power is there, not super big, but definitely more so than it's ever been. And he's already thrown in seven stolen bases, just four shy of his career high. So he's sort of having a career best year, despite the underperformance in the Babbitt department and the expected average department. So I I think that's going to start turning around for him. And if he can maintain the gains that he's had in the power and speed departments, this is a guy that could finish the season like 15, 15 with a batting average above 250. So, I mean, for the rest of the year, I don't know what you'd have to bat to raise your batting average 20 to 30 points, but I I think he's going to have a big second half, especially for a team that is just going to keep getting influxes of talent on that team. As long as he maintains the role at the keystone position there in Baltimore. Yeah. I I think that's a, an interesting, 
deep league um, option, especially we're talking again about another strong side platoon option who, and they called up Westberg and that doesn't seem to affect his playing nope. time all that much. Uh, and you know, who else is going to get called a call? Uh, Kowser is an outfielder. He's not going to play. He shouldn't affect Mayo, maybe. I don't know. Ma- yeah. Mayo has been red hot lately. Maybe he gets a call later, but other than that, I, I don't think, and even still, that might still just be a, a platoon situation. So I, I think yeah. he's pretty safe in this lineup that again, they keep adding pieces. They're going to get stronger and better. And, um, Frazier can do a little bit of everything while not, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the average is definitely lower than I expected. He, that should get better and he doesn't strike out. He doesn't swing and miss. So that, that alone should, should help his, you know, batting average rise. So, and this is a guy who was a former all-star, not too, too long ago. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's going to get back to that level, but he's, he's not as bad as his 226 average right now shows. Yeah. So just to recap our recommendations for power, we've got Max Kepler and Carlos Santana for speed. We've got Michael Garcia and Will Benson in terms of the scheduling sit your Rockies players. They've got five games and they're all on the road for wins and K's go for David Peterson, JP Sears and Austin Cox for ratios go for Seth Lugo and Lucas Sims for saves. Go grab Justin Lawrence and Hunter Harvey. And our wildcard guys that we think are going to have huge second halves, Adam Frazier and Spencer Torkelson. Rick, do you have any final thoughts before we send the listeners home? Um, I don't right now. I think without that covered pretty much everything. Um, it was it was fun uh, being able to talk about something <laughs> other than relievers for once. Yeah. It was nice to you know put my hitter hat on and you know try to figure out what hitters to roster. So yeah, I, I think we did. A, I think we covered pretty much you know everything here. Yeah, is your hitter had a batting helmet? It's that should be yeah right. Um, <laughs> this is, yeah. All right, great. Well, you can ke- catch both of us over on in the pen. We put out an episode every Friday. We talk about bullpens in many different ways. Always talking about the risers and fallers and the news and notes. So if you're looking for saves or holds or you know ratio producers, then that's the place to go. Listen to us. Um, but that's going to wrap up this episode episode number 121 of on the wire you can follow myself on twitter at jake crumpler and you can follow rick at i am rick graham and of course follow the pod itself on twitter at on the wire pod i'd like to once again thank adam for trusting us with this Mm -hmm. this edition of the podcast it was a lot of fun um you can follow adam at 80 grade on twitter that's all spelled out but after all that i'm jake crumpler and on behalf of rick and adam thanks for listening and we bid you goodbye